Since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, global health systems have been challenged like never before. As time and resources were directed towards responding to the virus, it was the dedication of healthcare workers that kept services running. Amongst the uncertainty, our hardworking Queensland clinicians have continued their pursuit of excellence, innovating and adapting the way they work to ensure consumers always receive the best care possible. To them, the pandemic was an opportunity to learn and grow and to ensure healthcare delivery continues to evolve to the ever-changing landscape. Because if we've learned anything from the last two years, it is that things will always change and our clinicians will always rise to the occasion. We can't provide truly patient-centred care without having the voice of consumers at the table. Be it at the kitchen table or via Zoom, lived experience is the only way to learn what our community needs. These projects leverage meaningful partnerships to redesign the way they deliver care with drastically improved outcomes. Hi, everybody. It's very scary up here. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the lands on which we all meet today, whether we're in virtual land or here. And, of course... I acknowledge the, recognise the elders past, present and emerging. Uh, my name is Sam Woodhouse. I'm a clinical nurse consultant and a nurse educator um, and I've come to talk to you as a member of, a very proud member of the West Morton Care at the End of Life Collaborative. So in, all began in July 2018. A Care at the End of Life Committee, which was later named the Collaborative, was born. The primary aim was of improving care through system-wide collaboration, integration and cooperation. It was in response to the Queensland Health End-of-Life Strategy that Westmorton Hospital and Health Service took on a whole-of-systems approach to improving care at the end-of-life for those in the Westmorton Health region and to really break down those silos, recognition of the benefits of everybody working together to achieve success across what can be perceived as a really difficult topic, with the aim of improving care through system-wide collaboration, integration and cooperation. We recognised early that community engagement, of course, is crucial. We have to all hear the hearts and minds of the individuals that we are here to serve. Membership is eclectic. It's comprehensive. The collaborative started with eight members. Now we have 14. I think it was one of those situations where one or two services and individual groups heard about this and really wanted to join the party bus because it's really making a huge difference. It's all about the extent of influence that services can have at different times in a person's life and we recognise that we need to meet the needs of the individuals of our community. There needs to be inclusion of all service providers and organisations that at any point might be important to that person's journey. These voices are crucial in any collaborative and to positively influence the decision-making reduce the risk of only a few voices being heard or considered. The collaborative develops an action plan and this is just a snip of the action plan which sets goals around community access, knowledge and workforce so that the project we're presenting is about the community aspect of this plan. It was developed in consultation, as I mentioned, with consumers and the feedback has directly influenced the progress of the work. 
to prepare the community to support people approaching the end of life with tailored strategies to build a, a capacity aligned to the community's needs. And we're going to talk about those a little bit more as we progress. Compassionate communities are a core part of a public health approach to palliative care and end-of-life care and bereavement. This term, compassionate communities, was coined by Alan Keller here in the mid-2000s to describe communities which play a much stronger role in the care of a person at the end of life, their families and carers, through connection. We recognise the importance of relationship and West Morton is certainly a region that is strongly connected. There are short-term aims, which of course was to engage with the community and to really understand how we can influence through being transparent, listening, using all of those points identified there in the engagement strategy and framework from Queensland Health. We needed to develop and shape conversations within the community about death and dying, aiming to reduce the fear, anxiety and distress caused by merely these words. Open hearts and open minds were needed, of course, to recognise that this is normal life. It's a normal process. It's tough. It requires courage and influence in the intention of hearing the views of the community. And also, beautifully, as Alan Keller here also says, it's important we all consider death and recognise that medicalisation is not the norm. Death is a social event with a medical component not a medical event with a social component. During the engagement process, we held communi compassionate community forums. Consumers told us all of the things that they were keen to receive access to information about local services. They wanted to find information in one place. They didn't want to have to search. They recognised and we understood that it's a really difficult time when sometimes you have to deal with these situations quite suddenly. Consumers wanted to have more conversations about death and dying. And our solutions included providing the forums, continuing to provide them, and then we followed on to develop community asset mapping, which is where we found that the community is rich in community support and services. Those were previously difficult to locate and access by individuals. Not only focusing on health-centric services, but community services that can really make a difference. One example is Lisa's lunches. Lisa's Lunches provides school lunches for children of families affected by cancer and also provides care boxes for families who are staying with loved ones in the palliative care unit. And they recently extended their service to two of our local RACFs. Lisa's Lunches are a magical service. The next solution was to develop the Care Connect website, the one-stop shop that our consumers and community really wanted. It's the place where we wanted everybody to be able to go and find their answers quickly to resolve whatever they need. It's crucially important information also, of course, about sad news and sorry business and recognising the very importance of our First Nations people and particularly in understanding the language needed to engage those people. During COVID, consumers in the West Morton Community Ethics Committee identified the need to increase capacity for healthcare professionals around managing a courageous conversation about death and dying which simply coincided with a time when I was being asked if I was ventilator competent. And I wasn't. And then there was a conversation about what would you be able to do in COVID. I could do lots of things. If a person isn't going to be suitable for a ventilator, if a person perhaps is simply going to die, 
there are lots of things and lots of skills that we need to do, one of them be able to have a conversation. Following on from the consumer feedback, identifying the concerns around clinicians not always being capable of managing a difficult conversation, we have this opportunity to develop a workshop around courageous conversations. The Influencers Workshop was really successful. We recognise that, strangely, if you invite people to come to a workshop about death and dying, initially they didn't want to come. <laughs> we find this quite strange. So we realised we needed some people to influence those decisions, so we developed an Influencers Workshop. We invited as many influencers as we could, and we crossed our fingers and hoped they'd come. And we filled the auditorium twice. Everybody then suddenly wanted to talk about death and dying. There is always that thought, though, that somehow palliative care nurses have that magical ingredient that we know things that nobody else knows. Actually, we know humanity. And it's about knowing what that person needs and hearing those voices at the most crucial time in their life. In true collaborative style, we appreciate not only clinicians need to have these skills because often people who choose to talk about death and dying don't always choose a doctor or a nurse. They might choose the food services person or hotel services. Or they might choose the police officer. So our workshops are open for everybody. Anybody who at any point might be asked to have a conversation about death and dying. We understood that we could get them in the room, we needed to keep them in the room and hence why we needed a wow factor. The live theatre is currently that. Script developed by the local Ipswich Little Theatre Company, director Shane Mallory, really brings this education to life. As the programme evolved, we recognised the importance of feeling person-centred care and developed the programme in partnership working with Pepper. We provided tools that support individuals and normalise the fear around difficult conversations. Evaluation is also in partnership with Pepper and ongoing. And we really hear that. These are some of the words from the evaluations. 89% of participants agreed that this programme gave them the tools they needed to have a courageous conversation about death and dying. And we really appreciate the vital moment that that might mean. We feel really positive moving forward. We're really keen to ensure that all teams can really appreciate the vital importance of community engagement and of course, I'm going to ask you all to please think about how you consider death and dying in your practice and how we can each work together towards normalising this very natural process. Thank you for your time. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, Head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.